I got an idea, but it stays between us guys. Agreed? Okay, it's really simple. We make an agreement. No, wait, more than an agreement. Like a bet? No, no, a pact. No money involved. This is more important than any bet. Now here's the deal. We all do a great show today, no matter what. Dude, it's not like I haven't been trying to do good shows. No, 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 this is different. This is better. Think of when you're writing your top five lists out, Nathan. You need a partner, someone to keep you honest, someone to keep you motivated. That's what we are. We keep each other on track. Prior to this day, we've postured, we've procrastinated, we've pretended, we've, well, I can't think of other P words, but we've probably done them too. Pontificated. Separately, we are flawed and vulnerable, but together we are the masters of our podcasting destiny. The tiger style kung fu is strong, but our dragon style will defeat it. The Shaolin masters from east and west must unite. Guys, guys, you're ruining my fucking moment here. Now think about it. No longer will our audience remain flaccid and bored. From now on, we fight for every listener out there who isn't getting the game show podcast they deserve when they should be. This is our day. This is our time. And by God, we're not going to let history condemn us to a bad show. We will make <laughs> jokes with truth at their core. We will do callbacks. We are Uber Cinco! <laughs> the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host today, Mitch Brinkman. Today in the den, kicking off the new year, the contestants will be listing off their top five movies from the year they turned 13. It's the main Brohemes, the great show guys. He's got a cool dad who's been there and an affinity for baked goods. Someone call it an intimate knowledge. Welcome, Brian Ernst. Hello, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the shy jock with long hair who just can't wait to sing his truth without musical accompaniment. Nathan Henenfent, good day, sir. Welcome. <laughs> good, good day. I'm ready to revisit... <laughs> The uh, beginning of the awkward stage that is still going on. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Okay. If you didn't know, the years these men turned 13, Brian, your year is 2003. A wonderful year. Uh, two years after uh, 9-11. Yes, that, that, that math is right. Quick math bonus. One point to me. Thank you very much. Um, Nathan, your year is 1999. One year before the whole world ended, supposedly. Quick bath bonus to me again. One year. Man, I'm just racking up these points. This is sick. All right. This is going to be one hell of a battle today, folks. 99 is hard to deal with. But, Brian, you've got the greatest sequels ever made in your year. Let's see if you chose them. Oh, what are they, you ask? Well, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Dumb and Dumber. Enough said. Okay. Got a question for us. Perhaps a topic, suggestion. Who knows? Well, come on, you freaking turkey. Pop on over to bizbear.biz. Drop us your ideas. They can end up right here on a future episode. And of course, for the folks who haven't played along before, let's get everyone up to speed on the same page and let's do a, uh, a quick rundown uh, of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we will move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But... If both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber, Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. 
and Uber Staredown is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. Okay, movie guys, our classic show is still intact. You're both vets. You know the ropes. And if you don't by now, Brian, hurry up, get get, get to know the ropes, um, then, you know, good luck. Uh, and hold your horses, folks. Remember to stick around to the very end of the show for the best part where your host, me, will give you the Fast Five list, the definitive list of green flags to find in a partner. Huh? Like that? Pretty fun, isn't it? Okay. Now, as host, of course, we always get to make a rule for, for the game. And today... I have a couple. These are all bonus points here, okay? First off, two bonus points to either player that selects my favorite movie from 99 or 2003. And if unselected, an extra two bonus points to the player or players that mention them in conversation. Also for today's game, if I catch anyone Googling during the game to find facts about movies, that will result in a point deduction. Automatic ridicule and uh, probably an, uh, like a, a gross insult too. Because we didn't have it fast internet then back in the early 2000s, so we don't get it now, okay? We're staying locked in. And this game is full of bonuses, as I said earlier. So also, if you can correctly guess from the movies of 99 or 2003 that also matched one of my pickup basketball nicknames from when I was 13, that'll also be two points. Okay, good luck, gentlemen. I hope you don't have uh, big holes in your arguments because today we've got big fish to fry, all right? All right, I'm out of, I'm out of time on giving you the rundown here, so... Uh, let's play for the love of the game. Nathan, you've won a lot on Uber Cinco. You're ruthless. You've got cruel intentions every time out. And you can tell <laughs> there's a sixth sense there that just, you know, you're definitely the insider here. Racking up the amount of victories you have, maybe we should start calling you Big Daddy? I don't know. Is that a little, huh? And because of that, I want to give Brian the edge here. So, Brian, please drive me crazy and go first by giving us your number five movie from the year 2003. Take it away. All right. I know we're talking movies today, but to, to set the scene of the TV landscape of 2003, this is the year that Ellen debuted, Mythbusters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Punked, and a one-off made-for-TV movie, Fargo, starring Edie Falco, directed by Kathy Bates. So this has said you that this is the realm that we are in. <laughs> I didn't know okay. that existed. Found it in my research. Thought it was interesting. Okay. It looks horrible, by the way. But my number five is a movie that came out the year I was 13, but I didn't see until quarantine. This is the only movie I didn't see when I was 13, but I am so glad that I did. This is 2003's The Cooler. You know what I do at the Shangri-La? You're cooler. You turn winners into losers. Some people are born lucky. Yes, yes, yes. Tell Bernie to get over to table six. Bernie is not one of them. People get next to me, their luck turns. This is one of your coolers? He's the best. He's the best. That's Alec Baldwin as the owner of the Shangri-La in Las Vegas, where he sends William H. Macy to tables that are hot to cool them off. This movie is terrible. <laughs> the entire plot is that. He is such bad luck, anybody he plays next to starts to lose until he falls in love. When he falls in love with a cocktail waitress, all of a sudden, he's good luck, Charlie. 
So then Alec Baldwin tries to destroy his relationship to keep his cooler around. <laughs> and it's, it's really, really bad. <laughs> what the hell? It's like got such good people in it. And you're like, uh, I don't know. I do have to do an IMDb real quick because I can't remember the name of the actress. This sounds Sorry, like... Maria Bello, minus one Bello, for, Bello, for, Bello. for Brian right there. Oof, that's a... I couldn't remember her last name, Bello. Didn't yeah. you? You heard, you heard my rule. You can't use the computer here. I, I wanted to give... I'm not going to just do the dudes. I got to say she's the, a lead role. I got to remember her name. I'm sorry. I didn't well, I know. It. You say it's that lady. She was also in that one project where she kissed that one guy and then, you know... All right. Well, I didn't actually open it yet, so, so okay. I don't get to lose a point because you okay, said it. Okay, fine. Okay. Yeah, okay, this, so, this movie no, I, sounds I, like people wanted to just they wanted to hang out in Vegas and get paid for it. That's what it sounds like. That's why they they took this. Yeah, but it oddly looks like it's all shot on a back lot <laughs> in like some way, shape, or form. And it's like I'm pretty sure the Shangri La is like based off like the El Cortez. It's like an old Vegas offshoot, and it's kind of the last of its kind. Where in the movie where Alec Baldwin wants to hold on to kind of like the, just the last edge of the mob days where it's okay to take someone behind the, in the back room and smash their hand if they've been cheating or stuff like that. He, and it's just like, no, that's not what, that's not what happened. Ron Livingston, I believe is the, uh, uh, guy who's trying to come in, who's trying to update this casino. He was just like, well, mm-hmm. if you get this better security system, you could just do this and don't have to hire these people anymore. If you do this, Everybody else is doing this. Get rid of the coin slot machines and go to the tickets. You'll make more money. And he's just like, well, that's not Vegas. Blah, blah, blah. Pour me a drink. And that's pretty much. It's a lot of Alec Baldwin talking like this. And that's pretty much all you get. And poor William H. Macy has some of the most awkward sex scenes I've ever seen in any movie. (laughs) (laughs) These these sex scenes uh, rival uh, Steve Buscemi's scenes from Ghost World. They're that bad. Uh, If you've (laughs) ever seen that film before. But this, oh, you know, Billy I've seen H. this movie and I, I kind of liked it the first time because it kind of, it was that fun budding up against of like new age data driven corporate America with like old classic Vegas that was kind of kept together with, you know, gum and, uh, and, and a little whiskey. Um, and I don't know, I, I found it kind of charming. And the scene when that, when Alec Baldwin takes, takes the, the guy, uh, in, in the back and gives him the what for and the, and, and, and the bloody hello. I don't know. I kind of like that scene. I, I think I think Alex is a pretty good bad guy in this one. I think you need to watch it again. <laughs> really? Does it not it, age well? <laughs> it does not age. I think you probably saw it a few years ago. I think yeah. you need to watch it with a modern lens. And it is tough. And it's worse because I was trying to make my way through just a bunch of Vegas movies I hadn't seen. And this was on the list. And the only way to get it was to buy it. It's one of those. It's not on any streaming service because nobody even wants to pay the streaming rights for it. So I paid eight dollars for this movie on iTunes. And now I own it forever. <laughs> Too bad you can't so. resell movies on iTunes. <laughs> I know it is kind of the worst. <laughs> bummer. Um, OK, that's I mean, yeah, the, the, the cooler this is or any other any other terrible plot holes or or weird um, plot mechanisms you want to touch on here before we move on to Nathan's number five? There are. I mean, I've only watched it the one time, so it's not like some of these other movies where I can go into great detail about 
because I watched them multiple times when I was 13. I just thought I couldn't leave this one off the list because it was such it left such an impression on me when I watched it recently that I was like, I think about it like once a week about how much I disliked it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, man, that movie was bad. And every time I fire up the Apple TV and I'm looking for a new movie, the coolers right at top is recently added. <laughs> like I just see it every time and I can't avoid it. It, it, it's interesting how how much bad movies are are sticking with us recently. I feel like that's that's a common theme uh, in our viewing habits in the past year or so. Because I think bad movies are still fun to watch. Yeah, the hate watch is really underrated. It's it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, agreed there. Agreed there. Uh, good point, Nathan. Uh, keep us moving here. Give us your number five. My number five is a movie that I would watch over and over again when it was uh, on TV back in the era. It's endlessly charming. It works on multiple levels. I'm talking, of course, about the 1999 Tim Allen vehicle, Galaxy Quest. (laughs) This is one of the most fun movies ever. So the the premise is Tim Allen plays sort of a William Shatner-esque figure on a very Star Trek-esque show. The cast are now has-beens, and they're going to conventions, and they all hate each other. Uh, they all hate Tim Allen's character because he's a he's a blowhard who still thinks he's living in his prime. And then it turns out that uh, some aliens have actually been receiving transmissions of the show and love it so much and believe it that it's real that they've sort of modeled their own appearance and. Uh, protocols on their ship after what uh happened on the show they they built the actual spaceship from the show <laughs> to its exact specifications <laughs> they're in trouble they think only the uh, cast can of the actual show could save them and so they bring them on uh they kidnap them essentially and take them to fight the actual aliens and they get help from justin long's character who is a teenager who's a super fan of the show and he actually can save them because he knows the show inside and out. And uh, <laughs> it's it's really, it's it's funny, it's charming. They all band together and they save the aliens. It has an A-list cast with uh, Sigourney Weaver, Sam Rockwell, and the great Alan Rickman who has the catchphrase, uh, by Grafbar's hammer, you shall be avenged. <laughs> <Which is just laughs> and, he, and he, when uh, when one of the aliens uh, dies, he 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 sends him out on a high note because he this, he hates saying this catchphrase, but he says it to this alien who who had also repeated the main catchphrase of the show: "Never give up." Never surrender. <laughs> and it's it's all it's it's all very self aware and uh, winking at the camera. They it, they even make fun of the plot holes that you find in these shows. Like there's a a scene where for no reason at all on the ship there's like a a video game style thing where there's you know p- big hunks of metal and machinery that like crash down at intervals and they have to jump between them and it's all pointless. But um, yeah, and it's it's got a it's got a warm hearted ending. Every everything works out okay, and everybody becomes friends again. And they reboot the show, which is, well, I'll come back to that a little bit more. The reboots, but it, that was a foretelling of the endless reboots of sci fi things that have happened in the twenty two years since this movie was released. But overall, this movie is a delight. It's kind of a forgotten gem in the uh, great year for movies of ninety nine. There's my number five. Okay. Quick question for someone who's never seen this movie in its entirety. I've only caught chunks on TV. It sounds like a classic, or, you know, Saturday afternoon or, or Sunday afternoon movie. 
uh, when you're lazing around the house. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are, are there some young hot people in this movie too? There is a uh, Missy Pyle who plays the super tall alien who is okay. quite, uh, quite a good looker. And uh, I think that's all I really remember. From the was was, was Fred Prince Jr. in this movie? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. James Marsden. I don't think so. No. Okay. All right. No, I've, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. But I don't. I don't know if I am. But okay. I think you're this, trying. To, I think you're mixing it with Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. That's what I was also thinking of. That's okay. the Paul Verhoeven one. That's more campy, but a take on the stupidness of war. Got this it. Okay. is more of a, a blockbustery family type movie. Okay, I, I'm I'm very sorry for, for veering towards Starship Troopers. I didn't mean to do that. That was that was an honest mistake. I don't have it's my also Google a good movie, but different. Okay, um, is this the best Tim Allen movie there is? Period. I would say it's the best Tim Allen performance. I mean, the best Tim Allen movies oh. would have to be the the Toy Story movies. I think. Okay. No, that'll be Disney's Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I I am a fan of the Santa Claus. I won't lie. Was, I do like the okay. Santa Claus. That's a good movie. Okay. All right. Well, interesting. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to t- take a peek at this one. Um, Brian, you're getting two points for yours. Um, you I you mentioned that interesting TV in the in the in the top part, but you didn't tie it in at all. I didn't know where that was coming from. A little out of left field there. So yeah, it um, was. It's just I just I, you needed to know it, and there was no okay. way to fit it in, so it was there. Okay. Okay. I didn't need to know I, it, but you still fit it in. So, you know, uh, you would have gotten three, but instead you're getting two. Um, worth it. And, okay, fine. And and you almost got that, that minus one for Googling, so be careful with that. Um, and guys, just know, I can see the computer light on your faces if you go onto the internet. So just, if it changes, I'll know. Um, I'm, I'm watching. I, I have an eagle, eagle eye. Uh, during Nathan, Nathan, are you googling? Nathan, I can see Nathan's face is being lit up. Is he googling? That's a minus googling. one. That's a minus one. Even if he didn't press return, it's still a minus one. Nathan, you are you're just dancing on my fire right now. I'm, I'm taking minus one just for that. All right, you both got two points for that round. Um, I'll be watching um, uh, Galaxy Quest here very soon. We're going back to Brian for his number four. Keep us rolling here, pal. You want to talk about A-listers? We're talking about my number four right here. And again, I'm just going to let my clip set it up for me. Academy Award winner Matt Damon. Academy Award nominee Greg Kinnear. Academy (laughs) Award winner Cher. Four-time Academy Award watchers, the Fairley Brothers, bring you a story of two brothers who are one of a kind. Well, I'm going to have to level with you. Siamese twins ain't the easiest sell I've ever had. We're not Siamese. We're American. <laughs> 2003, Stuck on You. <laughs> I love this movie. I had this on DVD. It's one of those movies, you remember how you would fall asleep with the DVD player on and then the music on the menu would be stuck in your head? This is one of those movies. Uh, I... I absolutely love this movie. (laughs) It's so stupid, but I watched it probably you go through those like, uh, I don't know if you guys did this, but it was like whatever was in the DVD player. You lived with that for three months. That's what you fell asleep to. And then you would just change it. Yeah. Yeah. You would just leave the movie in. Why so long? Why not like a week? No, it's just that's what that was the movie. That's the one I used. 
And after a while, it became um, a little Dicky child star, whatever that is. And uh, no, that was Dicky Roberts, former child star. There's a lot of these bad movies that was like when I was a teenager, they were awesome. Uh, this is one of them. Watching Mr. Goodwill Hunting be attached to Greg Kinnear for an entire movie. And it has one of my favorite visual jokes I've ever seen. Spoiler alert, at the end, they get the surgery to be separated. And they are both wheeled out in wheelchairs next to each other. And they both stand up. And as soon as they take their steps, they just fall in opposite directions. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a point where they can't live apart. So they end up just adding Velcro to all their clothes so they can just still be stuck to each other even after the surgery is over. Uh, this is the movie that introduced me to Ava Mendez. So that's that's plus one point right there. Oh. Um, a very odd trajectory where they decide they're going to move to Hollywood because Greg Kinnear's character wants to be an actor, even though Matt Damon's character is death has stage fright. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, there's just a lot of fun stuff in this movie. I can't I can't say anything about it. I'm just getting giddy and giggly just talking about it. Um, I, I will say I do I I am charmed by this movie, the bit where also Matt Damon is a short order cook, which yes. Kinnear is with him sometimes, but sometimes he's just like you know doing his lines like you know practicing his lines while he's just standing next to him as he's making yeah. burgers. Um, Meryl Streep is in this too. Meryl Streep. So what is the movie that she would have filmed in Martha's Vineyard? I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember, but uh, she's in eventually Bonnie and Clyde with him back in the Martha's Vineyard Correct. theater at the end. But um, the long there, story short, there's a bunch of Meryl Streep stories because they are from Martha's Vineyard. Some movie in the 80s or early 90s she shot there. So there's always all these everybody in the small town has their story about meeting Meryl while she was filming this. And they finally when they move to L.A. and they run into her at a restaurant, they're like, oh, man, we're your biggest fans, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, OK, kind of weirded out by these creeps. But then she remembers she went to the high school football game in which they scored the winning touchdown. And she's like, oh, my God, I love you guys. And Meryl Streep geeks out over these these conjoined twins in the middle of a Hollywood restaurant. And, hey, they got Meryl. So, I mean, they, they yeah. did OK for this movie. There's there's well, an I, anecdote from this uh, movie that I know I think I heard from one of you, but we, we can't move on without sharing it. This is where sure. uh, one of the Farrelly brothers comes out of Video Village, walks down to the set after he's been watching one of the takes and goes up to Matt Damon and just goes, suck less. And then that was his note and he walks back. And <laughs> that is an, an actor's dream. Yes, right? Yes. Uh, this, I mean, the 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 earnestness that Greg Kinnear plays this role with and then the like beta whiny energy that Matt Damon has in this film works so well and just i mean the fairly brothers are there for all the best uh ridiculous dumb physical gags uh it, it matt damon hyperventilating into a paper bag is is very fun <laughs> yeah yeah which maybe all along ben affleck was the alpha in that in that duo um maybe he made matt write goodwill hunting he was like no you write it and i'll put my name on it as well so um, maybe it was like a power play or something by him. Um, we'll never know. Never know. Uh, I would. I mean, this is this is this is a great. This is this is a this is a home run for you, Brian. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. So expect some quality points here coming up, uh, Nathan. I want to move on to your number four, and I just want to say here before we move forward. 
to the listeners, there's going to be spoilers all over this episode. So just know these are old movies. Let's just let's just let it all. If you hang haven't out. seen them from 1999 yeah. or 2003 yet, you're come on. Yeah, yeah. So so you, guys, no 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 need to hold back. Give us all your thoughts. Give us all the plot points you need. Uh, uh, Nathan, let's uh, move on here for your number four. Uh, well, th- this won't be a big problem because this is a genre where you know the ending to the movie before uh, you start. <laughs> this is the this is yep. the teen the teen romance comedy. Um, there was there were a lot of notable ones from the late '90s. Two very very popular ones from '99. I chose one over the other. The runner up was American Pie, and the superior one, in my opinion, was Ten Things I Hate About You which was based on uh, William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. So good source material, although Taming of the Shrew uh, is a pretty, it's, it's been criticized retroactively for its, its sexism. The whole premise is this guy just wants to prove to his bros that this woman who is shrewish, which is obviously a pretty gross thing to call a woman, uh, he's going to basically bend her to his will pretty gross uh they and so but every teen comedy needs a really flimsy premise and yep. this one mm-hmm. uh is joseph gordon levitt really wants to date the pretty girl uh but the the their dad has this rule this completely arbitrary rule that she can't <laughs> date until julia styles the older curmudgeonly sister is gonna date so then uh david crumholtz the the nerd who's there for no reason to to tell Joseph Gordon-Levitt what to do because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character has absolutely no agency. Yep. <laughs> He's yep. He comes up with the plan, this diabolical plan where they're going to have the, the terrible guy uh, who's the extraordinarily handsome Andrew Keegan, who would later go on to found a cult, I found out in my uh, research, uh, sort of a, a pyramid scheme cult type thing. So he was a cool yeah. guy. But they trick him into paying uh, the, the handsome and rebellious Heath Ledger to to convince julia styles to date him and uh then you know eventually it it all kind of works out uh even though the their devious plot is exposed so joseph gordon levitt gets to (laughs) gets to eventually date this girl who's like completely vapid and shallow and so i you know it's really that's probably gonna work out poorly for him in the end uh, Heath Ledger and Julia. Julia Stiles is impossibly cool in this movie. The script is really clever. It gives her a lot of like great one-liners. Um, it's very self-aware. She comes off as the the best part of the film by far. Um, yeah, so it 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 all it all works out. And despite the the terrible uh, you know sexist premise, they it it's it's kind of sweet and uh, it seems like you know they they try to frame it in a way that the characters do have good intentions. And it's got uh, some, it, it has a great cameo uh, from Allison Janney at the beginning of the movie, who's their principal, who's writing a sort of yes. Fifty Shades of Grey type. And it has nothing to <laughs> yeah. do with, has absolutely nothing to do with anything. They just stick her in there and have her writing a filthy novel as a principal, which, I mean, it was amusing. And then it's got uh, Gabrielle Union, who is almost 30 years old, playing a high school sophomore. So that's, <laughs> that's cool. But she, it's her and... Um, Larissa Olenek, who's the uh, the one that's being pined after, um, is uh, they have a, a line that's so Gabrielle Union says, so you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, 
but can you just be wound? And uh, the response is, the response is, I think you can in Europe. And I, have, I have no idea what that means, but it's it works. Uh, there's just a really? lot of great little one-liners like that. They they even they sneak in some lines from the Shakespearean play. So all it's 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 a really mm-hmm. fun movie. Uh, Julia Stiles so cool made Heath Ledger a star. And uh, it's superior to American Pie, which is hilarious and gave us the term MILF, which we all know and love, and has a lot of great set pieces and gags. But the premise there that Mitch referenced in the intro, that they all make a pact to lose their virginity, they, they do some really, like, the one of the most famous scenes along the way where they actually watch on a webcam where Shannon Elizabeth's character doing a very offensive parody of a Middle Eastern or not, or an Eastern European uh, immigrant. And they actually watch the sexual foibles between her and Jason Biggs. That has not aged well. No, no parts. I I think is the (laughs) word you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's the, the, the outcome of the seed is funny as uh, Jason Biggs' complete lack of any sexual prowess is exposed. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and you know, there's like there's funny there's funny parts to this, and they try at the end to kind of redeem the guys. Where when they actually get to to do the deed, they seem they they kind of try to make, frame it as in it's it's a more caring experience than what you expect. But uh, it's the second most memorable or the other most memorable. Uh, teen comedy from that year but i think 10 things i hate about you is is the better movie and the least gross in terms of how it's aged well i think also people don't know american pie is based off of shakespeare's julius caesar as well so um, (laughs) which i think like when you think about in that frame it's a very interesting take um and uh yeah i think that this is this is a good this is a great choice also i love about 10 things i hate about you they didn't film it in la they filmed all the high school stuff. I think it was somewhere in Spokane, Washington, or maybe yeah. or Seattle area, something like that. Gives yeah, with one of the sense. greatest, greatest high school football stadiums ever. That thing oh, is like could seat ten thousand. It and- is a cathedral. <laughs> yeah, to pigskin. But yeah, it's um, it, it opens in the most like nineties way ever with. Um, with the you see the the space needle seattle being the capital of the 90s rock movement and they're playing um one week by bare naked ladies <laughs> like it just <laughs> screams 90s <laughs> oh i was like yeah like it, it yeah it immediately puts it into place yeah it, like exactly yeah. um this is a great number four brian do, do you have any thoughts or or memories from 10 things i hate about you did you hold a slight crush on julia styles for a bit like i did Oh yeah, for you a did. long okay. time, and okay. then during the uh, YouTube Originals years, uh, so like when they first started putting those out with like YouTube Red and stuff like that, she had a web series that was on there called Blue, where she plays a prostitute for like high end folks, and but she's <laughs> raising a kid at home. Folks. But like you know what I mean, like she doesn't do like stuff on the street, like it's like governors yeah. and athletes yeah. and things like that. So. And that was like a, a revigoration of that childhood uh, crush. And I was like, oh, oh, aged like a fine wine, I see. <laughs> nice. She, uh, she but, also is the secret weapon of the whole Bourne film series. Yeah, she's so good in those movies. Yeah, small, yeah, she's small role in each one of them, but she steals every scene. She's She's got the grit and uh, oh, yeah, she's just... Julia Stiles is awesome. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm sad she's not in more because, yeah, especially that it's... Well, 10 Things I Hate About You, I loved. Also, Padua High School, 
great, great name for the high school. As the, I think that was the name of the town in Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a uh, um, at the Shakespeare Theater uh, on Navy Pier where they put up Taming of the Shrew. We saw it in high school. And I remember getting out of there and being like, oh, that was a lot like 10 things I hate about you. Because <laughs> 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 I had not made the connection. And then I was like, oh, I'm dumb. That's what this is. I'm a stupid man. Ernst thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, guys, thank you for your number fours. These are both excellent. Um, Brian, you were going to get three. And then I then I saw you reading something off to the side. You were If you weren't Googling, sure, it sure looked like it. You lost a point, but then you gained one back by revealing that um, uh, or by, by using uh, the phrase, "Ooh, you've aged like a fine wine, which absolutely could have been a line in one of these two movies that, that Nathan was referencing. <laughs> so I'm going to give you that bonus point back. So you're both getting three points. Appreciate it. Um, and Brian, uh, please, you're number three, if you wouldn't mind. My number three, I feel like you guys are going to agree with. Um, this is probably the biggest blockbustery Don't movie assume. that I have. Do not assume. Don't assume. I Be will careful. assume. Do not assume. God, I, will, I will fucking assume. Okay, fine. All right. Um, this is a start of a, a huge conglomerate. That should have stopped at a trilogy that was not. This is Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh, uh, oh, Ooh, it's the, it's, the, it's a movie. Oh, it's not very good, is it? Oh, ooh. that's my Jack. That's my Jack Black or my Jack Sparrow. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's that close. Was, You're close. That was, that was bad. Not, yeah. that, was, that was really bad, but close. I've got one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. So that's that's the sort of things that you need right there. And that's one of the clips I pulled because I said that so many times after seeing this stupid movie. That and this. Hello, Poppet. Hello, Poppet. We say that all the time <laughs> throughout my teenage. I saw this with Kevin and it's like he being a huge Disney fan. I saw this movie before I've even went to a Disney World or yep. any ride. So this is I know the movie more than I know anything else. Um, so I really, really enjoyed this. And this was like the truly big adventure movie of like my childhood. Like we had some other things like that, but this was like the really big, like what I feel like people in the thirties and forties were going to the movies for. Like when this came out, I was like, Oh man, we have to go see this. And it was awesome. Plus, another childhood crush, 19-year-old Kira Knightley in this movie. Ooh, baby. When I'm when I'm 13, that was that was holy cow. The creep that was flag an is flying there. high today. Whew, my Why gosh. Why is that a creep flag? She was older, <laughs> I was younger. How is that a creep flag? No, no, just 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 your your earlier uh line about Julia Stiles. Just it just was it was bordering. You're, you're, it was just bordering. Was I'm sorry. It was flattering. I will back off. I will back off. I'm sorry. Keep going. Also, for those people who've never been, to, been never been to Disney World, this movie is based off of a ride. I just want to make that clear because you alluded to it, but you did not say it explicitly. Yes, so it is based going. off of a ride, yeah. which weird, but worked in such a way that I don't think anybody would have predicted it could have worked this way. Sure. Um, you take it very loosely based on a ride and create a story about it. But I love the fact that you have almost three main characters throughout this entire franchise, which is really kind of cool. You have your Jack, you have your Will Turner, and you have your Elizabeth Swan, all with kind of different competing goals depending on where you are in this. But this movie, the first one, sets it up so well. You have like 
the period piece costumes, you have the epic score, you have not that much CGI until you get to the uh, the zombie pirates thing, but mm-hmm. there's a lot done practically where the ships seem very big. They're out on the open water. It's just an exciting adventure movie, and it's just so much fun. Um, I'm trying to think what else did I pull for you guys here? Oh, oh, Jeffrey uh, uh, Rush sing some of the best lines of the whole movie. I hardly believe in ghost stories anymore. You better start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Like, come on. <laughs> Dude, he's so cool. And then she gets really cheesy lines to go along with this like this. You like pain? Try wearing a corset. I love it so much. She swings whatever amulet or chunk of gold or like old pirate thing, stabber, dealy. She swings it like she's never swung a cricket bat or a baseball bat before in her life. And I know for sure that yeah, she's royalty. Would, Why I, would she need to? Be, be, okay, then you're not fighting. Then you're not going to kill a fucking zombie pirate with a chunk of gold you pulled out of uh, out of a whale's she ass. She is the governor's daughter. She was thrown oh in distress. God. She used what tool was there, and she succeeded. I want to hear about how this movie fueled- her, her cricket form wasn't on par for you, and. The Curse of the Black Pearl? Okay, fine. Maybe she would have played a game of croquet before this adventure she went on. Something. But I'm just not believing that that high level of violence that she brings. But I, hold on. You, but, you're, but you're believing the zombie pirates. The zombie pirates are fine. <laughs> you know what? You but know her what? swing <laughs> yeah. is not up to par. I just feel like you have one day of a cricket coach. They come on board to set. They teach her how to swing. You know. I, but hold on one second. I just, I just, have a, I just want to go to... Nathan here, because I know this movie fueled numerous years of Halloween costumes for you. Tell us about your love for Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom. Take us through this. Um, I want to hear a little bit more. Yeah, well, this movie's perfect. It does exactly what it sets out to do. It's one of the few movies that has ever been like it had a goal. It achieved it. It exceeded expectations in every way. Uh, Yeah, I I love Johnny Depp. thought he was just impossibly cool i would i i dressed up for him as him as the person johnny depp freshman year of college had the fedora had a little wispy goatee um is yeah. that real or a fake hair for the goatee i can't remember it was sadly real um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh yeah orlando bloom uh Somehow, Orlando Bloom made seven bajillion dollars at the box office in the early 2000s, being in this yeah. franchise and Lord of the Rings, where, I mean, he's just super handsome. I grew out the long hair to kind of look like uh, Orlando Bloom. And I like to tell people now, as I'm in my mid-30s, I'm transitioning out of my Orlando Bloom phase and entering my Vigo Mortensen phase of life, sort of a, oh, a second sure, puberty, sure, sure. Oh, since the sure. first one never ended. Um, but yeah, it, the, these these guys just seemed like super, super cool. It was a fun adventure. It was like a modern day, like Errol Flynn type uh, movie, but just cool stunts, great lines, everybody looking good. Yeah, Kira Knightley was like, you know, I was like, what? So I would have been 17 when this came out and Kira Knightley was like 19. So I was I was swooning over her. Um, you would have been the victim. That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. So yeah, I, I I love these movies. I have no complaints with this this uh, 
This was super fun. And uh, also, shout out to Jonathan Price, the great actor Jonathan Price, given the very um, just weak, weak role as the governor, who is just the most pathetic character in the whole movie, even though he allegedly is supposed to hold some power. But uh, it's a cool movie. He, he, he's, he's the same gentleman who is the Sparrow on Game of Thrones, right? The, That's yes, right. Okay. It is. Yeah. Also, Sparrow, you run a city. Take a fucking bath. That, that that's all I gotta say. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, that's that is a great number three, Brian. Thank you. I, I will. I also want to mention this movie was seen uh, by w- w- one of my mom's uh, best friends, uh, a, a, a bachelorette lady. She had a lot of time on her hands. She saw this first Pirates of the Caribbean film in theaters sixteen times. That Whoa. is the power <laughs> of a film, right? Uh, and she would write my mom postcards and and describe watching it again and mention like, oh, how that Johnny Depp just does it for her, you know, the accent especially. Uh, so I, I have a I have an interesting relationship because I would read these postcards as well um, after my mom was done with it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's a great number three. Nathan um, moves right along to your number three, please, if you would. I'm doing another comparison. There's two movies that came out here i think one's better than the other uh both sort of children of the uh of pulp fiction in a way so sure. the ensemble um the one i'm going with is lock stock and two smoking barrels which then sort of spawns mm. so many other imitators the east london gangsters and then it's got an impossibly <laughs> convoluted plot just like so mm. many things have to go right and other or wrong in specific ways to move things forward and you've got all these memorable tough guys. You've got Vinnie Jones, the former soccer player who was just a nightmare of a person and hurt so many people <laughs> on the soccer field playing yep. basically himself. You have uh, Jason Statham launching his career, playing the same character he would play over and over again in similar but not quite as good movies. Uh, then uh, you have a guy who is, I can't remember his real name, but he went by the governor and he was a bare knuckle boxer from <laughs> East London. Like he was a real guy. And I've, I've found videos of him boxing and there's a documentary about it. And he is terrifying, just a monster of a man, like 300 pounds. And he plays a bodyguard in this movie. He died before it came out, but uh, super fun, stylish uh, cinematography. Um, a lot of like cameos of people who are just giving all these long speeches uh, with flashy uh, Cockney uh d- rhyming slang and, and dialogue that even somebody who lived in East London for two years, I still have no idea what the hell they're talking about. One scene, they actually have to, they put subtitles on what the guy is saying just because it's so out there. Uh, you know, it's, it's overly, it's overly violent. It's, it's almost like a cartoon version of, uh, of a Pulp Fiction. So it's, there's, there's not a lot of depth to the characters, but it was, it was super fun. It was perfect to watch it at 13 years old. It's still fun to watch in uh, hindsight, Unlike the movie that I'm going to compare it to, which I know, I don't know if Brian watched this one. Mitch, at oh. a certain point in life, enjoyed oh. this. I enjoyed it. Oh. I looked back. I watched it a couple years ago, and this movie sucks. I'm talking <laughs> about a- The Boondock Saints, which is just oh, yeah. an absolute train wreck. God. The two Irish brothers who decide to be vigilantes and go around killing people they that are bad people. And they avoid the cop played by Willem Dafoe, who's just just chewing on scenery, mm-hmm. not even trying. And it's it is. Uh, the oh, gr- he's not one of the brothers. I've never seen it. So I always assumed he's one of the brothers. No, it's uh, Norman Reedus and Patrick 
Daniel Patrick Flattery, some guy with another yeah. impossibly Irish name <laughs> playing yeah. the Irish brothers. And uh, then Billy Connolly is there is is this mythical like killer who gets comes out of prison. He's supposed to be so dangerous. And it turns out he also was a vigilante and just so happens to be their father. Because yep. why not? And yep. this movie, it, it features Ron Jeremy in a disgusting scene. The movie is racist, homophobic, misogynist. It is vapid violent for the sake of being violent the only redeeming feature in hindsight is uh the character Rocco who was a friend of the director's just playing himself there is a uh a backstory to this and there's a documentary about this movie being made and Troy Duffy the guy who wrote and directed this was such a train wreck of an individual he alienates yep. everybody all these people who are giving him money to make his movie and he is just He's he's certain he's going to make just blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster. And he he just he ruins everything beforehand. He ends up not making any money from the movie because he gives the rights away. He loses it in bad deals, including bad deals with Harvey Weinstein. Those are the those are the people he's associating with. Yikes! And uh, it's it, it's a fat that movie is better than the actual movie. Just watching this guy self-destruct. Um, yeah. Yeah, he didn't deserve a career and he didn't get one. The movie never got a wide release. It kind of became a cult classic on DVD watched by people who were under 20 years old and didn't know better. This movie sucks. If you want to reminisce about an overly violent, stylized crime movie that's a sort of Tarantino knockoff, watch Lockstock. It's way more fun. I rest my case. That's great. Um, what, What I love about these early 2000 crime movies too, there's like, you know, there's a crew and each guy's like, Oh, my name's like Piggly Wiggly, and like, and I'm Dalton, and I'm and I'm Scrimshaw Terry, and I'm like, and I'm the and I'm the Tower. I'm, I'm gonna rise from a pie, whatever. And you're just like, and the, and the film stops when you meet them, you know, and they're like in the middle of a punch or like in the middle of the freeze frame or something. Yeah, the freeze yes. frame. Yes, and and oh, terrible man. narration and yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, 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 you know, like the main character will be like running through like a cattle barn with bulls chasing you like, <laughs> I bet you wonder how I got here. Let's go back to the beginning. And then you like flashback and you're like, oh, yeah. Lockstock, super, super fun. Um, Boondock Saints, I own the DVD. I'm pretty sure I bought it again because I thought I lost it as an 18-year-old. Um, and Why not just let it be? Because it was fucking awesome at that, that point. Uh, yeah, I remember st- Mitch and I at one point watched this with our friends Brad and Lewis, our old roommates, on a St. Patrick's Day morning. We watched yep. this movie, and Mitch and, Mitch and Lewis were so inspired in their... Uh, Jameson and Bushmills fueled revelry that they had a fight just for fun in the front yard. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that now. Oh my God, that was so stupid. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, boys, this was, um, this was very good. Uh, Brian, you're getting three points um, for your, because obviously this, this movie meant a lot um, to you and, uh, and to me also, and also to my mom's friend, Marty. Uh, so you're getting three points for that. So yeah, you should thank Marty, Marty Biak for this one. Um, Thanks, Biak. Yep. Uh, Nathan, um, the uh, the Lockstock is great. I mean, you, you made me reveal that I own two DVDs of Moondock Saints. <laughs> so you're getting, you're getting, you're getting uh, an extra, an extra point there. 
Um, so you're getting four points on this round, actually. Oof. So that's a, that's a big that's a big W for this round. Um, on to our number twos. Uh, no one no one has mentioned either of the favorite movies or the movies uh, that my uh, pickup basketball nicknames derive from. So just keep keep your brains on that. Uh, Brian, keep us rolling though with your number two. All right, I'm gonna keep my number two short because I got a lot to say about my number one. Number oh, two okay. though is is holes. Oh, oh, oh Disney... hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no pornographies. You cannot list pornographies. <laughs> Disney's holes sounds like. <laughs> didn't didn't Walt produce some unsavory films back in the forties? Sorry, okay, keep going. I don't know. Going. Well, there must be in a chest next to his frozen head. We'll have to check in on that. But this is obviously and his uh, Nazi retelling regalia. of the book. Oh, um, yeah, probably that too. <laughs> but holes. This is this is peak Shia LaBeouf when I when I am this. This is him just coming out of Even Stevens. Mm-hmm. This is all of that. So when I find out that my favorite character is Louis Stevens is going to be in Holes, I am so pumped because this book I read at least four times over growing up. I loved this wow. book and it was the one I would always choose for book reports and all that stuff. Did you just, just recycle like very cl- b- book reports? Did you just like oh yeah, for sure. done and cheat? But I would actually reread the book again. I would not change wow. anything that I was doing but that's all that would happen. Is, so. this, is this the book you read the most in childhood? Probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I probably read, I read this because I read it so many times. Yeah, definitely for sure. Okay, keep going. Um, I love this. It's a very clever tale. Uh, it's especially the book. It gets very, very deep. And then the movie has a, a banging cast. You have Eartha Kitt makes an appearance. You have Sigourney Weaver, uh, John Voight. Sorry. Um, but then there's a, it's just they are all kind of like the leaders of the camp there eartha kit plays this like mystical character in a flashback long story short but for those who have seen it there is a a meme that goes around now where there's this one section of a flashback when sigourney weaver was a child where you finally realize why all these holes are being dug in the first place is because there's rumors of a secret treasure out in the desert Mm. this lake dried up a treasure was lost and her grandfather bought the land and they started digging holes. And one of the things that the grandfather says is this. I'm tired of this, Grandpa. That's too damn bad. <laughs> you keep digging. I'm tired. We say this all the time. That's too damn bad. <laughs> we say it every day. That's too damn bad. <laughs> Let me pick it up here for you. This is another another movie with with a great a great uh, cast of characters. You got Armpit. You got Zigzag. You got uh, Hot mm-hmm. Bob. You got uh, uh, Fire Breath Terry's in there too. Um, no, actually, I'm, th- th- those last two were made up, but the the first three were real. And Stanley Yelnats, the main character, Yelnats, Stanley backwards. Correct. That's a big part of it. It seems like now, Brian. Yes, it is. Can you answer this honestly? This, this movie, everyone's digging holes. It's about trying to fill a hole in your life. This guy's trying to fill it with treasure when really he probably needs to fill it with family and love, correct? Um, is that what you were looking for <laughs> when you were reading the book as a child? Were you trying to fill a hole? That was... I think this book is what got me interested in story because it really okay. starts with being Stanley Yelnats's story and then you kind of learn about all the events that got several people to the same point. 
like all zero. tied into this flashback of story. Yeah. So yeah. it's, th- I think that was when I was like, Oh, I finally started to understand that you could do clever things with story. It wasn't just, it starts, it ends. It was, I kept going back and forth and being only in fifth or sixth grade, I was like, Oh, I kind of really like this. And so when there was a movie coming out, I was like, Holy shit, that's going to be awesome. Okay. So I think that would have came out when I was eighth grade, seventh grade that, yeah. So that worked out perfect. Interesting. All right. Um, did you did you see us more than once in theaters? I don't think so. No? I think I only saw it the once, but okay. uh, yeah. I the- probably read the book again, though, after I saw the movie. Oh, wow. God, just getting at that book. One, a one. Yeah, you just, buddy. You just love getting inside that book over and over. Um, did you own the DVD? Yes, you did. Okay, good. Okay, that, that that's another quality check for today's episode. That 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 might get you a bonus point, actually. So keep that. In it mind. should. I deserve um, it. Nathan, uh, I, I don't have much to say about Holes, unfortunately, because I've never seen it because uh, I didn't watch even Stevens. Um, and I find um, Shia uh, Latour to be quite shrill. So, um, <laughs> wow. Yep. Uh, Nathan, please give us your number two. Uh, first, I am going to make three guesses at your uh, basketball nickname. Oh, sure. From from movies from 1999. The okay. Mummy. Ooh, <laughs> good, good, close, but no, no, no. Runaway Bride. <laughs> oh, 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 no, I was still single then. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. And and she's all that. Oh, that's a little sexist, <laughs> but I thought about it. Uh, you were very close. Actually, my, my 99, uh, it's actually The Bone Collector. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, no, yes, yeah, yeah, that's from 99, The Bone Collector. Yep, I would I would kill people and take their bones home with me. So, um, on the court, that is. Um, so, Or you just really liked wieners. <laughs> Okay. All right. I guess. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. Good point. Um, <laughs> I I love playing ball. That that's that's that that's the heart of the story, really. Here. So um, balls. That is. Yep. Um. If if uh, you guys want to take a shot at 2003 movies, you're welcome to. Uh. At, at a later time. But right now, get Nathan. We need your number two. Uh. Well, I ha- we ha- had to include this. This is far and away the biggest grossing movie of '99, and this is. <laughs> Unfortunately, the grandfather of the way that the film industry has worked since in terms of endless reboots that are unnecessary, but make piles and piles and piles and piles of money. This is Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, oh. which just oh. made a billion. They, oh. they made God. more from the prequels. Then they brought back another trilogy that was also equally unnecessary. Oh. And you see just reboot after reboot after reboot. We're on like the ninth Spider-Man iteration now. Batman oh. was played by Ben Affleck at one point. Oh. I mean, this was this changed everything for the worse. And I, when I think about this movie now, this is what happens when nobody is around to say no or check you. Because uh-huh. George Lucas had made so much money for Hollywood studios at that point that nobody was dare going to question him. And so just the first idea he had just rolled along all the way through every step of production. So much money and time and effort went into just the first thing that came to his mind. And the movie is just an absolute mess. It's all over the place. I mean, the visual effects were cool at the time, but uh, it's utterly bizarre. But it's such a notable event and uh, sort of a landmark in the business that I, I had to include it. So there it is. 
Well, Nathan, I know there's a photo of you and George Lucas on the streets of Chicago. Did you unload all this to his face <laughs> just to make sure you got it out there? No, no, I didn't. Well, that George Lucas also gave me the endlessly enjoyable original trilogy, which I love and I still still amazing to this day. And also uh, two great Indiana Jones movies, which are just a lot like the Pirates of the Caribbean first movie. Just endlessly fun, swashbuckling adventure. So George Lucas is not without his merits, but... Yeah, the, you're talking movies. about Raiders and Last Crusade, correct? That's right. Okay, good. Just making sure we're on the same page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, wait, wait, when, they're wait, just wait, stupid amounts he, of fun. When you say he gave us those movies, he didn't didn't Kasdan write the first one, and didn't someone else direct it? He just was like there on set. No, no he, Lucas wrote and directed the first one. You sure? And then he was he was executive yes. producer for um, you gonna check for the later ones, but he's still <laughs> it was still well, he's his a producer story. on the other ones. Okay, yeah. okay. But yeah, he definitely wrote and directed the first one, and he was he came up with the character of Indiana Jones. So, uh, yeah, so yes, got story, I did meet George story Lucas, credits, and, it, and it was cool. Uh, but yeah, this I, I I mean this movie's been talked about and how much of a disappointment it was over and over again. I mean, when I was uh, when I saw this movie when I was twelve, thirteen years old, it yeah it, uh, it I didn't realize exactly what it was. I was just so excited to see big special effects and lightsaber duels and, and, Oh, it's a new star Wars movie. Like I never thought this would happen. And here it is. And, yeah. and it, uh, it, you go through that stage of like, maybe like the third time I saw it, I was like, Oh, this isn't very good. And you want to like it and you'd keep trying to justify it. And then as the years roll yeah. by, you're just like, Oh, uh. I still have vivid memories of the car ride home after seeing it in theaters. And we didn't really talk about it because none of us wanted to dislike it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we, we, like yeah. we don't want to dive in too deep. So like, Oh yeah, that was really stupid. And like Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> oh, uh. you know, uh, and then we're like, where should we go to dinner? And then we got onto dinner topics. And then like that kind <laughs> yeah, of like yeah. got us away from it. But man, yeah, I stand, I stand by the pod racing scene. I still enjoy that to this day. If nothing it, else, it doesn't really make oh. sense. It's enjoyable. If nothing else, it, it spawned a great video game. The N64 yes. video game of the pod racing game was super fun. It actually inspired a better game that was at Yorktown AMC growing up. It was a sit-down arcade machine that had the two joysticks. Oh, yeah. You'd have to drive it like the movie. I loved that shit. Well, you know, maybe sometimes they should just make it a simple game and not a full two-hour movie or three-hour movie. Or Actually, it felt like a four-hour movie. Only a 20-minute um, scene. That's fine. <laughs> Um, boy, I, I, I don't remember this movie cause I only saw it once in theaters and I never watched it again. Um, Brian, do you have anything else to add, uh, to this? Um, did like, who was the winner of this film or who saved it, um, from, from complete and utter, uh, poopy destruction? It's still the best out of all of them. I think most people will say revenge of the Sith is the best. But what makes The Phantom Menace so good is Hayden Christensen's not in it. Oh, <laughs> That's what okay. makes it so well, good. <laughs> in the in the, the prequel trilogy, the best uh, the best performance is uh, super another chewing the scenery up is uh, Ian McDermott as uh, the becoming Emperor Palpatine. Like mm. he's he's cool in it. Um, yeah, but that's okay. that's about it. I was gonna say Ewan McGregor too, but he doesn't have my favorite line until Attack of the Clones. Is when he falls down. Hello there. <laughs> you don't get that until the second one. So sorry. That's not fair. I am super looking forward to the Obi-Wan series because me too. You and McGregor me too. deserved better material for playing. Correct. Obi-Wan. And with Filoni as uh, 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 promotions there at Lucasfilm, let's hope it's, it's a good one. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to score this one out. Um, 
Brian, you, I, I was happy to hear that, that you had a, a, a delicious passion for holes when you were a young, a young boy. Um, and I mean, you were insatiable about, about flipping through holes. It sounds like. And so I'm going to give you three points and Nathan, um, for a movie I, 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 I knew was crap as a young boy. And I just, I can't, Actually, I wasn't a young boy. I was a you know a, a moderately aged boy. Um, I'm gonna give you one point here. I'm 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 gonna set up. I'm gonna set up this nose to nose finish here, um, <laughs> because Phantom Menace. I just it's just such crap. It's just such a pile of crap. And Jar Jar Binks uh, can go all the way to hell, and George Lucas with him. <laughs> um, and also, quick question: What year did you meet George Lucas on the street? Two thousand twelve. Okay, so this is the year that he thought the world was ending according to the mind calendar. Uh, that's true. He actually believed the world was going to end in, in 2012. Um, I, I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's how crazy and out there and how he had no one there to tell him, idiot, stop. Like no one with a rolled up newspaper, just give him a bop on the nose and just tell him to sit down and relax. He, he, didn't, he didn't seem that concerned about it okay. he was he was leisurely strolling to to get a cup of coffee so okay he wasn't okay. that worked up about it all right <laughs> he probably had four billion dollars in his pocket yeah. he was fine <laughs> um okay guys let's 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 go on to the, the the big finish the big finale um this is the last this is the last one in the franchise we're not rebooting this one this is it lay it all on the line leave it all on the field put it all out there give the big speech Climb to the top of the mountain and throw the amulet into the pile of lava. Give it everything you got. Brian, lead us off. I am so glad you said this. This movie doesn't need a reboot because it's already perfect. This movie I watched so many times as a 13-year-old on. I remember I got a bootleg copy of it, and then I got the actual copy of it, and I think I got another copy of it. This is 2003's The Core, the, the core? science fiction movie. Wait, 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 wait. The, the Core? Core of the Earth's The Core. The Core. I've never seen or heard of The Core. Aaron Eckhart, Hillary Swank, Richard Jenkins, DJ Squalls, there's so many freaking people. Wait, 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 wait. There's no, so many people in this movie. Put DJ Squalls in with Richard Jenkins, Hillary Swank, and Aaron. Also, Eckhart. I think it's I think it's Qualls, not Squalls. I think I messed Whatever. up his name. Either way, oh this is about the same time the new guy came out. So don't even talk to me about how DJ Qualls is not amazing. But the entire plot of this movie Losing could be points. summed up in this one clip. Right. So physics 101: hot metal moving fast makes an electromagnetic field. The spinning liquid outer core is the engine that drives the EM field. And that's where we have our problem. This engine has stalled. The core of the Earth has stopped spinning. If we can go into space, we search. Space is easy, it's empty. We're talking about millions of pounds of pressure per square inch. Even if we somehow came up with a brilliant plan to fix the core, we just can't get there. Yes, but. What if we could? <laughs> Stanley Tucci for the win. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Tucci as well. Oh so, 
uh, as the earth starts falling apart, uh, little small electronic waves start messing with things. The first thing it messes with is birds start falling from the sky. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people with pacemakers collapse. And then as Hillary Swank is trying to land a space shuttle coming back to Earth, their telemetry is all off and she has to help land a space shuttle in the L.A. River. All right. Anybody who's seen Greece knows where this car chase takes place. Imagine landing a space shuttle and doing it successfully in the L.A. River. Amazing. All right. Now our ragtag team has to figure out how to drill to the center of the earth, drop a bunch of nukes and reset the core. You with me? So they build this ship that can withstand the pressure and they get dropped into the ocean, drill through the Marianas Trench, start going through that mantle, baby. Boom, 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 boom. People die along the way. It's dangerous. Whoa. Then they get down there. And then when they get down there, you finally realize it was our fault all along. Oh, no. The Americans created Project Destiny. This was a project where we already drilled down to the core and it was going to be an <laughs> army weapon that Richard Jenkins was in charge of that could start an earthquake in any section of the world. And by building this machine, we actually stalled the engine. It was our fault. And then when they start thinking that the nuclear weapons won't restart the core, we think about firing destiny while they're down there to kill our heroes to restart it. Because as they say in the movie, an electronic pulse can stop a heart, but it can also restart one. But no, we succeed and we drop all the nukes. They blow up on the earth and the core starts spinning again. The end. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Aaron Eckhart oh. and Hillary Swank save the day as they're the only survivors. And they make it back up top. Dun dun. The core. You could hear Aaron Eckhart dying inside when you played that clip. <laughs> There's a lot of scenes like that that are just pure exposition oh. because it's like we have to set up at least these three things for everyone to understand in layman's terms before we can go on with the movie. Yeah. And what's funny is he's giving that speech to a room of like American government executives. <laughs> like these are all the people that are surrounding and filling out Richard Jenkins's team. And he's trying to explain how this is how the earth works. <laughs> I, in, 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 in that clip, it's you, amazing. In that clip you sent, he starts to explain it. And then a random general goes, why? And you're like, Oh good. Yes, thank you for asking. You're like, Oh, come on. Yes. Let me, let me finish this. Oh. That, yeah, that scene is probably one of the funniest and, and just pure exposition. But I think it's because it's Aaron Eckhart, Aaron Eckhart in that role that I like the movie. He's just an enjoyable person to watch. So I think that was part of it. And Stanley Tucci, like I've never had an issue with Stanley Tucci. Everything he does is is pretty awesome. So Tucci, that's that's kind of where I'm, I was I'm at. guessing this this helped spike your interest in science, Brian. I'm guessing you got very into science and polarity with this movie. Um, am I right in that? Yeah, I did okay, get into cool. it, and I realized how how crappy the movie was. <laughs> like, um, how this doesn't work. I actually rewatched it recently. I still enjoy it. Wow. I, I know it's bad. I still like it. Though. Wow. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. I think we should add it to our our, our hate watch playlist. All right. A, a wonderful uh, hate watch in a post vaccinated world. We should get hammered and watch the core. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, Nathan, it's it's your time. Step up to the plate. Knock one through the lights. Well, um, I had, 
I had a lot to to choose from. Like mm-hmm. these would have been boring to talk about, so I didn't choose them. But so many great movies from '99, like um, The Insider, Boys Don't Cry, American Beauty, Green Mile. Um, there's a, a few others in there, uh, but one that I think might have been Mitch's favorite, possibly Office Space. Oh, ding 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 ding! Bang! <laughs> Good call. But for my number one, I went with the coolest movie ever made, The Matrix. Yep. Bullet time, baby. This, this one I saw on... For, the Our local cable company had screwed up and everybody in Roseville got Cinemax for free for like 18 months. And <laughs> The Matrix... <laughs> <laughs> Do the not Matrix mention any pornography. I said no pornography <laughs> mentions here. Okay, careful. Okay. Well, the the Matrix. Uh, yeah, what I thought was pornography at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the the Matrix was on like I don't know every two or three days, and you could you could just like drop yourself into it at any point, and then you would watch it all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. It was so impossibly cool. The special effects still hold up today. The whole movie yep. holds up today. The yep. impossibly cool characters with the style, with the the cool jackets and the the sunglasses, which yep. the famous Morpheus sunglasses that didn't connect to the ears, oh, which yeah. I which I bought, which I ordered, <laughs> and when I was like fifteen or sixteen. And my head was too big for them, so they barely covered my eyes. And they like where they clipped onto the nose caused me to to start with a nosebleed. So I think I paid forty dollars for these sunglasses as oh. a sixteen year old when I didn't have forty dollars. And they came in a little case. I wore them once; it was hugely embarrassing. And then I, I never wore them again. But then it, also oh. the the Matrix was perfect when you were thirteen because it made you think that you were pondering really deep philosophical questions. You know, sure. there is no spoon. Take the red pill or the blue pill. Like, mm-hmm. is determinism is that a thing? Because the Oracle is like it is. It is an admittedly great line, and the Oracle is my favorite character, the sweet old lady baking cookies who apparently knows all and sees all. And yeah. uh, she says, "Don't worry about the vase." And then Keanu Reeves turns and he's like, "What vase?" And he knocks it over. And she says, what's really going to bother is, would you have knocked it over if I didn't say anything? Mm. Oh. These are the things that are turning over in your mind as you go on this odyssey uh, with awesome, awesome gun battles, awesome side characters, awesome villains. The ragtag group on their uh, their ship uh, Mm -hmm. who are just like such a perfect mix of of uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells and and rebels. Mm And uh, such and a great contrast, and, 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 and yellow bird or whatever. Yeah, um, was it like ba- Bowser and Bowser, Bowser and Tank? <laughs> yep, Cipher. Yeah, these oh, were yeah. real character names. It, mm-hmm. it was so cool to see them transfer, like because they were just like wearing basically tunics or old dish yeah. rags, and then they would plug in, and they all of a sudden looked like total badass wearing dusters. Yeah, <laughs> and I I watched this movie so many times, I walked around convinced if I got into a fight, I would be able to do perfect kung fu just based on memory. <laughs> off of that this. is the best Keanu Reeves line of that movie. Yeah. I know kung fu. Yeah, it was yeah. this, uh, and, and uh, this this movie is as we speak being rebooted. They're making a fourth one right now. This oh the second I I loved the second Matrix movie. I still do. A lot of people didn't like it. The third one, everything fell apart. But uh, I'm, I have high hopes for the fourth one. I mean, even a bad Matrix movie will still be fun to go see. And yeah. So, anyways, the Matrix, awesome movie, cool in every way, still fun to watch as an adult. 
I think it it again it was very influential uh, with like the bullet time and uh, special yeah. effects. So yeah, The Matrix. I think it was an easy pick. It was going to be my number one all along. Didn't matter what else was on the list. There you That's go. Nice. And that- I think this might be the movie I have watched the most in my life. Oh wow! Okay. Wow. That that's a that's a that's a statement. Damn. Um. That's a that is a big statement. Um. Both you guys, you really you you gave me your high heat on those number ones. Excellent job. Um. Brian, I'm gonna give you a guess of my favorite movie from from 2003. I have a feeling like 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 you can nail it here. Um. It's it, it's one of the most popular ones. I'm gonna try and give you an you know a chance to catch up to Nathan here. And then, of course, you know, the, the basketball nickname as well from 2003 is still out there. Um, but let me give you your scores here. You, you both got three points here um, for your number ones. Th- that's an easy one for me. So, Brian, your guess, my favorite film, 2003. Uh, I was going to say old school. Boom! He old got school. it! You guys both know me. Oh, my God. I'm, 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 I'm a comedy man. I'm a comedy guy. Great job. Um, does anyone want to take What's a stab? Your, oh, sorry. At, at 2003, at your, basketball your nickname. nickname. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go Mystic River. I don't know why. Oh, so close! <laughs> I, I, I was gonna go Seabiscuit. Oh, both of those are natural, which is close to mine. Mine was Cold Mountain because I had ice water in my veins and I was husky. So, um, my second guess was gonna be Malibu's Most Wanted, but that's. <laughs> um, you guys, while I tell you the scores, I want you to talk amongst yourselves. Um, tell me about. Uh, uh, your favorite Keanu Reeves uh, movie that's not The Matrix? Ooh. um, Mine is The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. (laughs) (laughs) What year was that? Was that 95? I think, yeah. Yeah, I I do enjoy that. I I do like Bill and Ted a lot too, though. Bill and Ted's a lot of fun. Especially because you get Rufus of <laughs> George Carlin in one of my favorite roles. All right, the that's it. We have no more <laughs> words, Mitch. <laughs> These are tallied, and I'm ready. I'm ready to tell you the winner. Uh, I'd say Brian, congratulations! You took it by a nose today, sixteen to fifteen, in a very high scoring Ubersinko. Con- congratulations! Um, do you have any words Woo. to say? Do you want a little acceptance speech? Or are you good? Thanks to my agent and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. That's all I have to say. Love it. And we can't get to my fast five before we have, of course, the Uber Cinco seventh inning stretch. So here's our update of the softball team we own out of Elmhurst, Illinois, the no-hit Sherlock's. A nail-biter for the Sherlocks this week is longtime softball hater and first-time visitor Rick Ernst was settled with a spectacle that ended in extra innings. A scoreless first three innings made for quick digestion of snacks in the stands as the antsy crowd was totally blindsided with a quick 3-3 score. There was home cooking abound in this duel, as well as the blue behind the plate needing to get his cheaters fixed, failing to call multiple illegal flat pitches by the Stunad's long-armed hurler. Even when the fix was in, the Sherlock's kept pushing. A double from Becky put the winning run at third, and Zach's sacrifice fly brought it home and left the Stunad's holding their gabagool and meatballs and a big fat L. The no-hit Sherlock's are sitting comfortably in second place behind the juggernaut team of ringers, TTF, who continue on with their unbeaten record. 
And that's the softball update for this week. And back to the show. But now it's time. The best part of the show, the fast five. So here we go. Top five green flags to find in a potential partner. Number five, a top level shelf that's in easy reach. I'm talking about a righteous keister, folks. Number four. (laughs) (laughs) they know how you like your eggs and what type of day you like them on saturday oh they better be scrambled soft with a little goat cheese thanks honey bun number three (laughs) they suggest you check out that art exhibit you've had your eye on but was too sheepish to mention it because you just know they don't care for german 18th century baroque cow sculpture but damn it do you need to chew on that cud in person even better They've scheduled themselves a simultaneous day at the park with their friend who you can't stand how they say the word coming or going or fucking Christ stop. (laughs) Drop the goddamn G, you freaking annoying ass dink donk. All right, number two. That was a hard one to say. They're just as ready. (laughs) Number two. They're just as ready to blame it on the dog as you. And number one, they like you for you. Even if they originally took pity on you because you were into art and you wore glasses and they already had a girlfriend, but due to their sporty competitiveness, when a teammate slash latent rival lays down a bet, they have to take it to prove them wrong, of course. And even if they are dead sure, they won't be able to turn you into prom queen in under six weeks. And then you find out about the plot and almost get pressured into hooking up with the rival, but then realize in the end, <laughs> you're both artsy freaks who just need to express themselves. And that's this week's episode of Uber Cinco. <laughs> please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. And once again, we love that hearty wom word of mouth. So please tell your friends about us and your family. Send them your favorite episode. Let's get people hooked. Thank you to Bill Shakespeare's super fan. Nathan Hennenfent, I'm assuming. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the man who will read holes as much as you allow him. <laughs> Brian Ernst. And I've been Mitch Brinkman. And as Biz Bear always says, when you do absolutely nothing, it can be everything you thought it would be. Auf Wiedersehen and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash ubkstudios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.